Yeah. Well, praise God. Amen. Well, praise God. Here we are for another uh, edition of Discipleship Class. Uh, and we are excited about this class number 22. And um, welcome to everybody in the room and those watching online. We are uh, honored to have you uh, join us. And we are excited about uh, the things we have to deliver to you uh, this evening. Praise God. Let me come across to the... Uh, to the camera there. And so uh, just real quick, like I had mentioned this resource uh, last week and it's uh, something the Lord gave me several years ago. A self, I say several, maybe three years ago, self-image based on what's been done for you. I had mentioned that in class and um, so I printed some off for those who are in the room. Those of you who are watching online, uh, it's I think under the resources tab on the church website, uh, hccnow.org, hccnow.org. Um, so obviously don't do it now, stay tuned to class, but you can uh, log into the website and either read this or even download you uh, a copy of it. And so I wanted to, to, to mention that. Uh, I, I kind of went out on a limb Sunday morning with an, another uh, conversation that I was wanting to share and I couldn't find it in my, in my uh, uh, iPad. But anyway, I've, I've got that too. So uh, if you were a part of that <laughs> kind of fiasco where I was, you know, Pause this, uh, what's that, pardon the interruption of this sermon right now while I start trying to do some research. But anyway, that was not the smartest thing I've ever done, but, but it worked out okay, I guess. Praise God. All right, well, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get to it. Father, uh, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for all that you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit have done for us and given to us. Father, this, uh, this great and cosmic and epic uh, plan that that you uh, had <laughs> millennia ago, Father, that is all coming to fruition. And now here we are uh, at the end of yet another age, Father, and about to and on the verge of uh, some major, major transitions taking place. And, and what an honor it is, Lord, to, to be alive in these days. Uh, Lord, I know there's a lot going on in the world around us, uh, a lot of heartache, a, a lot of loss, a lot of violence. Uh, but yet here we are, your lights shining brightly, Father, for your glory. Help us, Father, make a difference in this world. Help us build your kingdom. Help us make disciples. And, Father, as we've said so many times, it takes one to make one. And so, Lord, help us be the disciple that we want to help others become. Lord, we, we bless you. We thank you. We glorify you. Be glorified in us tonight. Um, Father, we know it means so much to you when your children get together and, and talk about you and learn from your Holy Word and learn from your Holy Spirit. And so, uh, Father, may we be a, a bright spot in your day here at 4215 Tove Boulevard and where others may be tuning in around the world. Thank you for blessings. Thank you for goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. All right. So um, one more time. This is class number 22. Um, what is man part two? And uh, we're going to, without much review, get kind of right back into uh, our being a God-class being. And I'm glad that didn't scare some of you uh, off. That is kind of a strong uh, uh, subject matter. But anyway, we'll, we'll dig more into what the Word says, not my opinion, what the Word says about uh, these things um, tonight. So we see in a couple of different places in the Scripture where God's Word is referred to as a mirror. And we said last week that you need a mirror to see what you can't see without one. And when we go to answer these questions, what am I, who am I, why am I, um, we need to find those answers in the Word of God. Not from religious tradition, not from 
you know, different, uh, you know, ideas that people have that, you know, they believe just because it sounds good. Uh, we've been in a lengthy series on Sunday mornings here at Heritage about uh, the, the instructions in the scriptures in Proverbs 3, do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, because to be honest with you, God's ways are so much higher than man's ways. If we try to understand them with our own meat computer, they're not going to make sense. Um, because God's ways are higher. And so we can't lean on our own understanding. We have to uh, walk by faith in the Spirit in order to embrace the, uh, the ways and the wisdom of God. So Psalm 8, um, I'll put that on the screen right quick. Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5. Uh, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. And we spent a good bit of time last week explaining that um, angels doesn't mean angels in the original language. The word is Elohim, and Elohim means God. Uh, and you've crowned him, crowned mankind with glory and honor. So it should read lower than Elohim. And if you look at some of these other translations, uh, the God's Word translation, Psalm 8, 5, you've made man a little lower than yourself. You've crowned him with glory and honor. The New Living Translation, you made them, mankind, a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, and I know I'm going through this quick. Those of you who weren't here last week or watching online, uh, we spent obviously a lot more time on this. I'm just trying to uh, rush through this uh, review part to set up where we're headed tonight. Um, Psalm uh, 8 and 5, the Revised Standard Version, Yet thou hast made him little less than God, and dost crown him with glory and honor. The Young's Literal Translation, And causest him to lack a little of Godhead, and with honor and majesty uh, compassest him. Uh, the New Revised Standard Version, Yet you've made him a little lower than God, and crowned him with glory and honor. And then the Message Translation, which some people refuse to call it a translation, they call it a paraphrase. So whether you call it a translation or a paraphrase, amen. It says, then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Yet we've so narrowly missed being God's bright with Eden's dawn light. So as we strive to answer this question, uh, what is man? The first thing that we want to look at is man is a God-class being. And so remember, male and female created he them. We're talking about mankind, both men and women. Praise God. Uh, Jesus did more for women and women's rights than any human being that's ever lived in, in, in history. Uh, I don't have time to teach that sermon now. But, uh, you know, religion may look down their noses at women, but I promise you God does not. Jesus did not. The Holy Spirit does not. And, uh, and thank God, amen, for uh, godly women uh, in the body of Christ who have prayed and have loved and have um, been there uh, for us. Amen. Uh, did I tell you about my, my grandson's friend at school that, that he was really concerned about? Did we tell that story? Um, so obviously I'm not going to use his name because we're streaming, but, uh, you know, just really concerned about him and, and his behavior. And he was talking to uh, because he basically he's been so mean to everybody that he's, he's without friends now. And my daughter tries to explain to him that, you know, God taught us to even love our enemies. And, um, of course, my, my grandson, Oliver, he said, well, he's not an enemy. He just, you know, nobody wants to be his friend because of the way he treats them. And so, anyway, they, they pray for him. And, you know, my daughter's telling me the story. She prays for him like she would be praying for her own kids or nephews or whatever, you know. And so after they're done, the two-year-old Samuel, he goes, gives a hearty, amen, mama, you know. 
and, um, and Oliver says, uh, I, this is not the kid's name, so I, but I'm just going to throw it in there because it's, it's, it's easier, it's funnier to hear it this way, right? So he says, um, Mama, one prayer for Jonathan's not going to be enough, right? So, uh, so, amen. So, so one, amen. One, one, one prayer for Jonathan is not going to uh, uh, be enough, amen. But, but praise God. Let me get back focused here. So, uh, so man is a uh, a God class being, and so we said, let's go to the mirror, amen, and uh, and and take a look. Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make man in our image. And uh, I believe it was Andre in the back pointed out. But again, you know, lots of people notice us and our. And, and you know, a lot of the, the uh, Jewish believers who still don't believe Jesus is the Messiah have issues because obviously, um, you know, their whole thing out of the Old Testament is that the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. And so, you know, for anybody else to say that they're God, right, is just a huge red flag for them. And, of course, we know it's one God in three persons. And here, again, reading from the Old Testament, the, the pronouns are plural. Um, let us make man in our image as opposed to me in my image, us in our image. And, of course, this is huge as it goes to what is man uh, because this, of course, is uh, not just our origin, but it's, it's, the, it's the being that... Uh, created us, and we see that this this God who uh, is in three persons uh, created us to look the way He looks and to function the way He functions. To look the way He looks and to function the way He functions. That's that's what we uh, mean by image and likeness in the original language. Okay. Then we went to Genesis chapter two, and we saw that there was no other created thing on uh, planet Earth. Uh, I'll just go and put that one up. Praise God. Genesis 2, 18 and 20, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Let me put the brakes on there for a minute, okay? Um, hallelujah, some of these verses I have to prompt. I apologize for that. Um, <clears throat> who said it's not good that we should be alone? God said that. So I want you to think about how important other people are um, to not just our lives, but to our purposes and our destiny. Um, when it was just God and Adam, God said, this, this isn't good. Um, because we were created, and this is an easy way to remember this, we were created for that vertical uh, fellowship with God, but then that horizontal relationship with other people. Amen. And, and this is, of course, how God designed it. Uh, that's why some of you have heard me teach on this. I, I won't go too far down this road, but this is why I have a problem with the phrase a personal relationship uh, with God because personal uh, communicates this idea of it's just me and it's mine and it's unique to me and nobody else is involved and nobody else is included. And, and that's not fellowship. Uh, fellowship is, again, the uh, horizontal fellowship with other people, uh, vertical fellowship with God. When we get over into this section of the teaching, we'll see that the only way you and I can effectively love God is, uh, and practically love God is to love other people. God said, if, if you think you love me without loving the brother that you can see, you are, you are very, very confused. Amen. So one of the key ways that I love God is by loving you. Amen. And so this, of course, is how God has um, established these things and set these things up. So God said, when it was just God and Adam, it's not good that you should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord made 
the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper, again, comparable to him. Comparable to him. So we talked a little bit, and we'll probably talk a little more about it tonight, but we see that uh, comparability and compatibility uh, are, are, you know, they belong together. In other words, the more comparable two things are, the more compatible that they are. And so when we say that you're a God-class being, God created you like himself to function the way he functions because of his desire to have fellowship with you, to be compatible with you. Now, there are two areas in the Word of God that tend to make people really nervous, okay? And those two areas are how much like God are we and how much like us was Jesus, Okay, amen. We'll take some of this gradually, okay? But how much like God are we? And then when Jesus became a man, how much like uh, us was Jesus? And there are people who, uh, they, they, they have the mindset when they try to teach on these things, rather be safe than sorry. You understand what I mean by that? <laughs> rather be safe than sorry. And, and, and so because of it, they, they tend to teach and preach that Jesus was nothing like us when he came to the earth and that we're really not anything like God as God's creation on the earth when nothing could be further from the truth. And again, those positions are religious tradition, uh, you know, traditionally religious positions that are not what the mirror says. The mirror says uh, uh, much different th than that, okay? And, and I'm going to show you that uh, tonight um, in the mirror. Uh, I believe um, in answering these questions, right, um, there, and it's a long story. I don't want to try to go too far again down this road because there are certain targets I'm hoping we can, we can make tonight and, and things we can cover. But um, years ago, we, we had uh, a... Uh, we called them designated days to seek the Lord. I know that's a real creative title, okay? But um, we, we would start on a Sunday evening and go Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. And this particular, uh, it was a January, I believe, um, we felt led to just go on through Friday. And, um, and there's a lot of people getting filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of good things that were happening. And um, I had already been meditating on this subject, you know, just how much like Him are we and how much like Jesus you know, did he, you know, become when he became a man and just searching the scriptures and, and looking through things. And I believe the Holy Spirit uh, led me to what, what I'm about to present to you uh, after a lot of prayer and, and careful consideration. Now, this is not Bible. I understand this. Okay. But just stay with me. And I think the Holy Spirit's going to take you somewhere with this. Okay. The Holy Spirit directed my thoughts to something called taxonomy. Okay, and that has nothing to do with the IRS. Okay, um, boom, boom. Tsh, all right. So taxonomy in, in in the is the classification of living things. It's how human beings uh, classify or group living things together. And so as I was meditating on this whole thing of 
you know, how much are we like God? How much was Jesus like us? Um, the Holy Spirit directed me to, to this idea of taxonomy. And I'll be honest with you, I had to look it up because I, I didn't really, I mean, I remembered it from school, but I didn't uh, know exactly, you know, what it all was. And, um, but the first thing, of course, that came to my heart and mind in, uh, in taxonomy is that the, the first and biggest uh, division as far as classifying living things are concerned has to do with kingdom. And man, when I saw that word kingdom, I mean, we've already talked so much about kingdom in here, right? Um, let, me, let me tell you, we're at least in the same kingdom as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? So we have at least that much in common, praise God. Okay, and so I'm like, all right, well, we're on to something now, right? So um, when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about grouping together all forms of life, having certain fundamental characteristics in common. Now, the five kingdom classification uh, scheme adopted by many biologists separate kingdoms uh, that separate the kingdoms uh, are assigned to animals. Don't write any of this down. Please don't write this down, okay? I'm just trying to give you, refresh some of your memory from been a long time, a lot of us, right, for since school. Amen. All right. So animal kingdom, plant kingdom, fungi, all, the, all these, I might be going to go through the whole list, okay? So again, the simple point is clearly we are in the same kingdom. We're in Father's kingdom and His kingdom is in us, okay? Then we come to something called phylum, all right? And phylum is the grouping together uh, of all classes of organisms that have the same body plan. Okay, so I'm thinking ding, 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 right? Because, you know, again, we know that God has hands and feet and fingers and a thumb and a nose and two eyes. And, and so, wow, okay, so same kingdom, same body plan, all right? Then from there, you break them down even, even further into, into class, okay? And so this is where this idea that we are a God class uh, being comes from uh, because these are organisms that share a common attribute. Yeah, I can, praise God, okay? So phylum is grouping together of all classes of organisms that have the same body plan. Amen. I was not aware that y'all were writing this down, so I'm honored. Amen, okay? <laughs> Sometimes I don't even put these slides up there. I just get straight to the point, okay? But I'm glad you're hanging in there, so I want to make sure I honor that because you're honoring uh, the, the material, okay? But then, so notice now, you understand how this works, right? You start broad with, you know, divide everything up into five kingdoms, and then everything in one kingdom is divided according to uh, uh, phylum, and then everything that's in the same phylum is, so we're narrowing it down. Are you following me? Okay, we're narrowing it down. And so then we go to class, and these are class, class or organisms that share a common attribute. So when we talk about sharing a common attribute, this is where I started, okay, Lord, I'm not just trying, you know, is this me or Holy Spirit, are you really speaking this to me or am I just making this up? You know, it's kind of one of those things. Because, listen, you know, we get carried away sometimes, get excited about stuff. And, but no, I really feel like the Holy Spirit just was right there leading me through this. And so if you think about it, there are things that we can do that, that no other living thing can do. Other than God, God is not a man, but he is a, a living being. Amen. Um, and so some would say, yeah, but you know, dolphins can communicate or speak or whatever. And, and that would be true, okay? Um, but just because something else can communicate with, uh, you know, other animals or, or what have you, 
um, that doesn't put them on the same level, <laughs> you follow me, that, that we are on. Instead, let me try to, if that concerns you, if that gives you a pause, um, keep in mind that God's fingerprints are all over creation. Um, I believe God's favorite colors are blue and green. I believe God's favorite colors are blue and green. You say, why is that, Pastor Mark? Well, look at the earth. It's His handiwork, and there's a whole lot of blue and green um, in the earth. Amen. It's His taste, right? So the fact that, that you know, the diversity of God and, 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 the, and the amazing ability of God and, and that these things would uh, be mirrored in other parts of creation, you know, to think that, okay, because of that, we've, um, you know, we're just a, a higher form of animal or whatever. Again, I, I think that would, would, would not necessarily qualify here, okay? Now, from there we go order family genus, okay? Um, order family genus. I'm not going to try to break all these down. I'll just give you the list, okay? Um, family, that one's kind of a low-hanging fruit there. Are we not sons and daughters of God? Amen. Are we not in the family of God? Uh, I was doing some uh, work today over in John 8 and uh, in 1 Corinthians 6. And, and Jesus said, hey, if you let me make you a free son of God, you'll abide in Father's house forever. Now, Jesus came to make us family. Amen. The Bible also says in John 1 that, that he came to his own and his own rejected him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Amen. So, again, notice now... Things that are in the same kingdom, then things that are in the same phylum, phylum within a kingdom, class within a phylum, order within a class, family within an order, then we get down to genus. Okay. Here, here is the part, and sometimes I've, I've tried to recreate this, and to me it's just the moment, is, it's, it's hard. Only the Holy Spirit can do it, okay? But the closest related of all living things are those of the same species. Those are things of the same species. So, right, you, you can have felines, right? Okay, you, you follow me, felines, all right? But then within, you know, feline, you've got tigers and lions and leopards and all this other stuff, right? But when we break it all the way down to its, to its you know, most uh, uh, distinct and, and common and, and almost like one, uh, it's when you come to, to species. And here is the... Um, Here's the amazing thing about that, okay? Living things that are of the same species are the most comparable to one another. And the ultimate test of comparability or compatibility to determine things in the same species. Anybody know? Species are living organisms that can have one another's young. Okay? Now, either you got it and it didn't fire you up the way it fired me up or you hadn't got it yet. We're sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters. But there was a teenage virgin girl named Mary. Come on now. There was a teenage virgin girl named Mary that the Holy Spirit overshadowed and planted the seed of God's Word in her womb. And that which was conceived in her was the Son of God. How much, are, how much like God are we and how much like Jesus was us, was he, amen? Um, are, are you following me? Uh, a human being actually gave birth to the Son of God on planet earth. You, so are you seeing now, when I say we're God-class beings, if, if, if we were not in the image and likeness of God, there would be no, I mean, I'm being silly here, but can you imagine God like choosing a Labrador retriever to give birth to Jesus? 
So that's not, that's not going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm being ridiculous, but I'm just trying to show you here, okay? The fact that Mary could receive within her physical body the Word of God. Now watch this. And her body not reject it as a foreign substance. See, when God created, like when He created the fish, He spoke to the water. When He created uh, the plants and animals, He spoke to the earth. When He created all, all these things that He created them from, He spoke to those things. But when He created you and me, He didn't speak to the dirt. He spoke to Himself. He formed us from the dust of the earth and then spoke life, His life, poured His life, breathed His life into you and me. I like to say it this way. When God formed you and me from the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground, it wasn't the first time He got His hands dirty where we're concerned. Amen. Amen. So species then are living organisms that can have one another's young. So let's go back to it. Compatibility is determined by comparability. The greater the comparability, the greater the compatibility. The more alike two things are, the deeper the fellowship they are capable of experiencing with one another and enjoying. Amen. And so we talked a little bit last week in, you know, in, in the class about my little Yorkie. And uh, we certainly enjoyed uh, fellowship together. But not like the kind of fellowship I have with my wife or my children or even other people. Why is that? Because as, as precious as that little dog was, as much as I loved him and as much as he loved me, we were not comparable. And therefore, the lack of comparability um, hindered and reduced the uh, compatibility that uh, we could enjoy with one another. Now I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, my wife uh, had a, uh, an SUV for many years and we started having issues with it, and it turns out that it was something called a throttle body. Okay, and you don't have to know what a throttle body is to go to heaven, thank God, okay? But in, in newer automobiles, the, the accelerator pedal, it doesn't have a cable that runs to the engine. You know, that's how the old ones work. You'd push the gas pedal, which would engage a cable that would open up the carburetor or what have you. Well, in the newer automobiles, that's all done electronically. In other words, you push the lever and it's a, it's a digital signal that goes into the computer that tells the car to go faster or what have you, okay? Um, and so uh, once that was determined, uh, we replaced the throttle body, but we kept having the same issues. And so we thought, oh, we just got a bad part, so we replaced it with another one. And it's one, it, wasn't, it wasn't like pulling an engine to replace it, but it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. But, you know, so we did it again, um, still having the same issues. And I'm about ready to do it a third time when one of the brothers at the church, um, he shows up, sets a part down on my desk in a box, and he said, he said that's your throttle body. I said, well, I man, I, I, do you think a third one's going to work? He says, that one will work. And I said, okay, I believe you, but tell me why. What's the difference? He said, you've been buying aftermarket throttle bodies. That's from the original equipment manufacturer right there. That was one made by General Motors. Are you hearing me? Okay, so it was comparable, and <laughs> guess what? It was compatible. It fixed it. Are you seeing this? It fixed it, all right? So again, that may be a bizarre way of trying to explain what we're talking about here, but again, compatibility and comparability. So God created living things by speaking. Again, He spoke to the earth and created plants. He spoke to the waters and created fish and, and even birds, similar body plans uh, in the atmosphere, birds fly, uh, uh, and, uh, and the atmosphere also contains water. Again, we could spend some time on that, no need. He spoke to the earth again and created the rest of the animals. But when he created man, he spoke to himself. 
Okay? All right. So, again, there are things that I want to share with you, not because I'm, I'm trying to prevent shock, you know, present shock value to you. I'm not trying to shock you. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm certainly not trying to frustrate you. None of that. All right? But let's, let's go back to what's at stake here. Okay? Um, your purpose, understanding and fulfilling your purpose is dependent upon you understanding your identity. Understanding your identity is dependent upon you understanding your origin. So you'll never know why you are, you know who you are, you never know who you are until you know what you are. So that's why we're going to spend a few weeks um, answering this question, what am I? What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visits him. That's what the psalmist asked in, in Psalm 8. Okay. And we said the only way we will ever know for sure is if we look to God for these answers. We can't just look to what uh, popularly held religious beliefs are because there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of error there. So we've got to go to the Bible and if we're going to ever understand these things. So when I share what I'm about to share with you, and some of you have probably heard these things before, okay? But when I share what I'm, what I'm about to share with you, I'm, I'm not... So there were times when Jesus would, um, would say something that was going to be really strong, Okay, and he would say, English translation, most assuredly, I say to you. And if Jesus said most assuredly before he said whatever was coming next, what he's saying to you is this. You need to brace yourself because I'm fixed to tell you something really strong that a lot of people don't think is right. But no matter how much your own understanding tells you it's not right. This is how it is according to my father in heaven. All right. You with me? Okay, so the question then that we have to ask is, you know, why? What? And not, not, not why are we, but why has God chosen to do it this way? Amen. Remember now, the best advice I could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with Him quickly. In other words, if God says it's this way, it's pointless to try to, you know, take another position and argue against Him. All that's going to do is, is slow you down and cause you frustration. All right? So let's go to Psalm 82. Amen. Psalm 82. Again, man is a God-class being. No other thing, living or otherwise, that God created is comparable to you. The only way to find comparability with you is to leave this earth and go to heaven. Amen. In other words, it's the beings in heaven that you're uh, comparable with and most compatible with. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. So I'm reading from the Bible now. Psalm 82, chapter 1 and verse number, we'll begin at verse number 1 and we'll go through verse 8. It says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Wow. In the congregation of the measly or the congregation of the mighty? When God comes and stands among His people, does He stand among the measly ones or does He stand among the mighty ones? When God showed up, uh, the angel of the Lord showed up at, at Gideon's uh, uh, home place and He's threshing wheat indoors because uh, the enemy keeps coming and stealing His food. When He's, he's afraid of the enemy, He's afraid... Of, of these things. And, and so the angel of the Lord shows up and he says to Gideon, um, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's like looking around like, who in the world is he talking to, right? Because that's not how Gideon saw himself. 
But that is how God saw him. That's, that's where this uh, document uh, came from. Um, Gideon responded with all that had been done to him. And of course, in the process, revealed the image that he had of himself. And it was an image based upon what had been done to him. God looked at him and says through the angel, he says to him, um, and all that has been done for him. See, Gideon had a self-image based upon what had been done to him, what he had experienced, what he had been through, right? And because of that, he had a very poor or very low image of himself. God instead says, I've done this for you. I've given this to you. I've showed you this. I've helped you this, right? In other words, what is God saying? He's like, your image should not be based upon what you, what's been done to you. Your image should be based upon what's been done for you. Amen. See, the enemy would love for you and me to continue to live our lives with an image of ourselves based upon all that we've been through, all the people that have hurt us, all the people that have lied to us, all the people that have rejected us, all the hard things that we've been through, all the, 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 the bad decisions we've made and the consequences of those decisions. And all of these things are the things that Satan is hoping that when you look at yourself, you, you will see yourself, again, trivialization. He's trying to trivialize you, He's trying to make you feel insignificant, trying to make you feel measly. But God says, when I stand in the midst of my people I stand in the assembly of the mighty ones amen. amen so I asked the Lord I said Lord if if this was if we had a New Testament version of this you know what you said to Gideon based upon what's been done for him you know how, how would how would that read and it was what what would it say and it was one of those um, inspiration hits at 8 a.m. every morning sister <laughs> sister Cherie right so you know what I, I, I went back and forth what I'm gonna read I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because we need to read it amen um, have you already read it? Some of you are like, yeah, I haven't got around to that yet. Okay, so this, this is what the Lord said. Thus says the Lord God, Jehovah, I knew you and loved you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I gave you purpose and grace in my son before time began. I chose you to be one with me and to be as Jesus is to me before you ever lived a single day of your life. I love you so much that I sent my son to rescue you. He became your sin and was punished in your place. So sin will never separate you from me again. When he became your sin, I turned my back on him, but did so knowing it would be the last time I ever turned my back on one of my children. At great cost to myself, I delivered you from sin and I also delivered you from the curse of sin, including sickness, poverty, and death. By my son's suffering and stripes, all of your sicknesses and diseases have been healed. I have given you my life and nature in overflowing abundance and without end. I have given you my spirit as a helper to be one with you and to live in you forever. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you to empower you to live the life I created you to live. I have set my eternal love upon you and nothing can separate you from it. I have withheld nothing from you. I gave you my son. I will surely give you all other things. I have given you my name, my word, my kingdom, my glory, my authority, and my victory. I have made you righteous. I have made you free. I have made you wise. I have made you strong, and I have made you prosperous. Jesus became accursed for you so the blessing of Abraham could forever encompass your life. I have seated you together beside me with Jesus in the heavenly places far above any demonic threat to your destiny. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing and I have prepared things for those who love me that go beyond your wildest imaginations. So go. That's what he told. When he told, reminded Gideon of all that he's been done for him, he said, now go in this might of yours, you mighty man of valor. So I say to you tonight, go in this might of yours, you mighty men and women of valor. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. 
So let's get back to it then. God stands in the congregation of the mighty and He judges among the punks. Is that what it says? He judges among the idiots. Is that what it says? He judges among the ne'er-do-wells. Is that what it says? No, it says He judges among the gods. He judges among the gods. And He asked this question, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Selah means to pause and think about it. His instructions to you and me are to defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. We live on a cursed planet. We live on a planet that longs for the same redemption that we've already received as sons and daughters of God. We live on a planet that's crying out for the children of God to take their rightful place. What is that rightful place? That rightful place is the captain of this ship. Amen. We're supposed to be having dominion over this planet. Jesus demonstrated that for us. And that's one of the things we'll get to answering this question, what is man? Don't write it down now. Get it in proper order. But man is legal authority on planet earth. It's another, another uh, point that we'll get to. If not tonight, maybe next week. All right. So he says, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Remember, Jesus said a version of this. He said, look around you guys. It's, it, this whole earth is filled with people, and they're like sheep with no shepherd. They're sheep with no shepherd. They're sheep with no leader. They're sheep with no protector. They're sheep with no provider. And we're thinking, well, wait a second. I thought God was the provider. I thought God was. Yes, but again, they need to be brought back to the shepherd of their souls, the great shepherd. All right, you still with me? Verse number six, I said, who's speaking now? God said, you are gods and all of you are children of the most high, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Shazam. Man, wow. Really? Really? Okay, now listen to me. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to do it, then you by all means do it. But as I said uh, last class, you know, and I think in another setting here recently, um, this is not just for you to go home, uh, you know, at family reunion and announce to everybody in the room, oh, by the way, I'm a God. Okay. That, that, that's, that's, now, again, if the Lord tells you to do it, He'll have a reason for you to do that. Um, and again, in the same way, though, it's not for you to reject it's not for you to say, no way, that can't be talking about me. Because this is God talking. This is God talking. And this is how He sees you. Because this is who He created you and what He created you to be. Amen? Now some folks say, well, you know, Pastor Mark, sometimes they got a little cray-cray in the Old Testament. What, you know, are, are we really supposed to, you know, as New Testament believers, is this something that we're, we're supposed to uh, acknowledge and, 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 uh, and, you know, believe and accept? And the answer is yes. And let me show you why. It's because Jesus endorsed it. All right, so go with me now to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and we'll begin at verse number 33. John 10, 33 through 36. All right, so I have, thankfully, over the years, I have grown and developed and, and, and matured in the things of God. And, and um, you know, one of, uh, one of my favorite Dr. Miles Monroe quotes is, you cannot effectively lead people uh, until you are free from their opinions of you. 
Okay? And one of the first mass exoduses from heritage was many, many years ago when I preached on this. And I had no idea it was going to freak people out the way that it freaked them out. But it did. Okay? It freaked a lot of people out. And um, can you believe that man? No, see, again, here's the thing. This man didn't say it. Are you hearing me? Can you believe Pastor Mark said, no, 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 oh, hold on, hold on a second now. Pastor Mark didn't say this. God the Father said this, and then Jesus on the earth as a man said this. Okay? All right, you still with me? All right, so John chapter 10, verse 33. The Jews answered him, him being Jesus, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy... And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? Okay, so now we just read what Jesus is quoting, right? Jesus is quoting from the 82nd Psalm. And you've got all of these doctors of the law, you've got all these men who've most of them could mem have memorized and could quote the Old Testament without even, a, uh, you know, flashcards. I mean, they, they, they knew it. They knew what it said. So this would not have been like, does it say that? No, they knew it said that. Okay. Is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? Verse 35, if he called them, Father God called them God's to whom the word of God came... And then notice this parenthesis here of Jesus speaking. And the scriptures cannot be broken. <laughs> right. Are you following this? Right? And it was Jesus is like, you know, I mean, he's giving them the business here. And the scriptures can't be broken. It's like, hold on a second, guys. You, what was your second now? You're the Bible that we all read and believe and preach from and teach from. It says, God speaking, God the Father speaking, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? So I, I maybe should have read more of the verses here, but the, the, the context, of course, is that they sucked all the oxygen out of the room when Jesus said he was the Son of God. Jesus did not say, I am God. He said, I am the Son of God. Okay. Well, now they just automatically are ready to stone him because they recognize that if he's saying he's the offspring of God, that is basically the same as saying he is God. I feel like I'm losing some of you. Y'all still in here? Still with me? Okay. So Jesus said, well, hold on just a second now. Wait, just so I can make sure I understand what's going, what's, what's going down here. You're going to stone me for saying I'm the son of God when your own Bible says, God said, uh, when I stand in the congregation of the mighty, I judge among the gods. I said you are gods. Okay. Now, why, why are we doing this? Why, you know, every time I do this, I'm sitting here in the back of my mind, there's this, there's this voice. And I know it's the enemy trying to you know, bring up old hurts and wounds and, and people getting frustrated and mad and leaving the church and all that stuff. And I, amen, we're over that already. Amen. I said we're over that already. Praise God. I mean, I don't answer to people one day when I stand before God on what I told them. And, and, and see, if, if you believe religion, if you, if you believe religion, then you'll believe that, that, um, uh, that when you stand before God one day, you'll be judged on the basis of a wretch and a worm. 
such a worm as I. Right? Are you still with me? Right? Has God ever called you a worm? Has He ever looked at you as a worm? When you stand before Him one day, is He going to say, well, you know, compared to a worm, you did pretty good. No. No. And the last thing in the world that I want is for somebody in this room or somebody watching online to come find me one day in heaven. And Pastor Mark, do you remember back in 2024 and 2023, I sat in that discipleship class for 36 weeks and you never told me this? You taught three weeks, five weeks explaining what is man and you never got around to telling me that God sees me as a God? Lowercase g. Can I say it this way? Chip off the old block. Amen. All right. Let's keep going here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He, He being capitalized, capital H here, Jesus, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So again, let's not lose sight of the main point that we're trying to reinforce here. The point is, question, what is man? Number one, man, male and female created he them. Mankind is a God-class being. You're a God-class being. God made you compatible, comparable to himself so that you'd be compatible with him. Remember we said this, we'll get to it a little more in here in just a minute. Your number one purpose in, in life, you said, well, I thought we were talking about what we are instead of why we are. I'm trying, as we work our way through these, we're going to connect some of these things together, right? Your number one purpose for existence is fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. And every other purpose for your existence is not only secondary to your number one purpose, it's dependent upon it. In other words, if you want to be effective at anything else God's called you to do, it's going to be dependent upon you fellowshipping with Him. You fellowship with God, you will be an outstanding parent. You fellowship with God, you'll be an outstanding spouse. You fellowship with God, you'll be an outstanding employee or employer and all these other things. That's the key that unlocks it. Okay. So love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, if, if, there's, if there's one day that would tend to have the most potential for producing fear in our lives, it, it would be Judgment Day. And, and I'm going to try to put this in context for you to maybe better understand what we're talking about here. Okay, so let's say you, you take a class in high school or college, what have you. You realize every time you have an exam, it's Judgment Day. Every, every time... You, you, know, you face that because what, what, what is it, what's it time? It's time to figure out if we know this stuff or not, right? What, what we've done. We're answering for what we've done. We're answering for uh, how well we paid attention in class, how well we completed assignments, how well uh, we studied and prepared, right? And that's, that's what the exam ultimately is designed to, to reveal to the teacher, okay? Um, so probably nobody in this room, but maybe you know somebody that's had some legal issues, and, and so, you know, it's like there's coming a day, <laughs> there's coming a day, right, where we're going to have to stand before the judge and, and hear what, if anything, the punishment's going to be. And that's not necessarily a day that we look forward to, all right? Because if we're not careful, it can produce 
large amounts, copious amounts of anxiety in our lives. But now I want you to see what he's saying here. And this, again, most assuredly, this is the word of God. This isn't something Pastor Mark said. I'm telling you what God said. God said his love perfected in your life, which means love that has come full circle. Love that started with God, that came all the way back around to being returned back to God. Where you know how much he loves you. You've, ex- you've, you've received his love. You've learned to love yourself. You've learned to forgive yourself. Again, all this is a process. All this is a journey. But, but when love has come full circle, so to speak, in your life, that's what love perfected means. It means it's been returned back to the source from which it came. Okay? Got a bunch of notes on this we're going to talk about here at Heritage on Sunday. But, but see, you, you, can't, you can't love others without loving yourself because you love others as you love yourself. If you loathe yourself, if you hate yourself, if you're constantly beating up yourself, then it's, it's going to be impossible for you to effectively love the people. You love others as you love yourself, and you love God by loving others, right? So the more we learn to, about God's love for us and receive and believe His love and accept His love and, and start to develop confidence and trust in His love, and then we start returning that love back to Him by loving other people, the way he's loved us, all these are verses, we don't, we're not digging into all that tonight, right? This is what love perfected looks like. And he says, when, when that circle is, is completed in your life and consistently completed in your life, that it will give you such confidence, it'll give you such trust, it'll give you such boldness, right? That when you stand before God one day to be judged by him, you won't be cowering and biting your fingernails and afraid of what's going to happen. You, you will have boldness on the day of judgment. Now, again, for some of you, that's like another, you know, it's like which is harder to grasp right now. I said you were God's or boldness on the day of judgment. But do you see how the two are related? Because Father doesn't see you as somebody that he can't wait to pronounce judgment against. He sees you as, as his own son or daughter that he loves, that he sings over while you sleep tonight. Are you following me? Listen, I'm, I, I am, uh, <laughs> when it comes to my grandchildren, don't ask me to be their judge. Are you following me? Uh, uh, a grandparent's love. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all this grandparent stuff, man. It's, 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 it's glorious, man. I'm just telling you. It is. Man, it's amazing, right? Okay. But see, now, but, but here's the thing, and this is why, and listen, if any of you in here as grandparents have raised grandchildren as, as mothers or fathers, my hat's off to you, okay? Um, but the heart of a grandmother or the heart of a grandfather is not the same as the heart of a mother or the, or the heart of a father. And I know some people say, yeah, you just kind of ramp them up in sugar and send them home. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that, right? Um, but again, wh- what is it that, <laughs> um, sweet Jesus, you know, what is it about me that, that wants to show all kinds of grace and mercy? My dad is, my dad is, is uh, uh, and I'm thankful for the way we were raised, okay? We were, we were raised very strictly, um, and uh, me and my brother and my sister, okay? The first grandson was my brother's son, Will. And uh, Will threw a little temper tantrum in the floor. And uh, I don't know if it's Matt or Vanessa, one of them. Um, they jerked him up. We call it dusting him off, right? It wasn't like, you know, they lashed him or something like that. But just popped him a few times. Had a diaper on him and it boom, boom. hurt his feelings more than it hurt his backside, right? Okay. But are you ready for this? My dad goes, hey, what are, what are you doing? He was just expressing himself. <laughs> and me and my brother look at each other and like, who is that man over there and what happened to my dad, right? Amen. Okay. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. What, 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 what's, what's going on here? The only one qualified to bring a charge against you is the one who died for the sin that you committed. 
Jesus, right? Romans 8, I could quote all that. I'm not going to go through all that. I'm just trying to show you. So love perfected that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, praise God. Let's keep going. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. So I told some of you before discipleship class ever started that sometimes I would touch on a subject in class, like in a class other than this one, and I would say to you something like, you know, in discipleship class, you know, we're going to look at six or eight verses where I may just mention, I may show you one verse and mention two more. But here the idea is we're going to take the time to look into the mirror and then look into the mirror again and then look into the mirror again and then look in the mirror again if necessary. Okay? But let's not lose sight again of the point. The question is, what is man? The answer is man is a God-class being. You are a God-class being. And I hope that, you know, verse after verse after verse that I'm showing you is helping you see this. As far as God is concerned, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, For it was fitting for him, him here again being Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Okay? Now, he who sanctifies obviously is God. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to be set apart. And there's a lot of confusion, needless confusion, but confusion nonetheless in the body of Christ today over what sanctification really is. And it's another one of those divisive teachings or doctrines. A doctrine is a system of teaching. It's another one of those divisive, sadly but true, one of those divisive doctrines or, or systems of teaching in the Bible. Okay, So let me give you a quick kind of background of what sanctification is so you will be better positioned to understand what he's saying in this verse. If something is, if something is sanctified, it is set apart from one thing or situation to another. Sanctification is not just set apart from uh, sin, uh, but it's to be set apart unto God. So if you have things in your home uh, like one example I use is Christmas dishes. We have Christmas dishes that, um, that we uh, use for Christmas. See, those dishes, I mean no disrespect, just hear me. Those dishes are sanctified from every other day of the year unto one day of the year. So to be sanctified means to be set apart from unto from one to another, from one situation to another situation, from one condition to another condition, okay? And so in the same way that your Bible talks about your salvation in past, present, and future tense, have been saved, are being saved, will be saved, the same Bible speaks of your sanctification in three tenses, have been sanctified, are being sanctified, shall be sanctified, okay? In other words, he's saying you have been set apart from sin unto God. Okay, have been, right? But then he also talks about it as something that's ongoing. And then our sanctification is talked about in something that is yet to happen. And because so many in the body of Christ do not understand spirit, soul, and body, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, they don't have the foundation to understand how one subject can be talked about in three tenses. 
But if you haven't put two and two together yet, or I guess in this case, three and three together yet, okay, your spirit has been sanctified, your soul is being sanctified, and one day your body will be sanctified, will be set apart. Yes, sir. So, would that be Pastor Chris Pilkerton? Yeah. So, he, dear friend of mine, obviously was on staff here for many years at Heritage, but I have not spoken to Pastor Chris in a few weeks. So, no, sir. No, sir. Amen. All right. So, uh, I don't know how many times Pastor Chris went through this class, but, uh, but he, is, uh, he was an excellent preacher and teacher of the Word before he ever saw my face a single time. So, have uh, much respect uh, for, for that brother, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, but l- let, me, let me tell you, and see, this, this, I need to hear that feedback, okay? Let him who's taught in the Word communicate with him who teaches in every good thing, okay? Um, it's because it's the same Holy Spirit. Are, are you following me? Right? Same Holy Spirit who uh, is breathing on the same uh, thing, the same subject. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things in the Bible we could talk about tonight. Thousands of things we could talk about tonight. Um, but this is the thing that we need to talk about tonight. Are you following me, right? And the fact that somebody else talked about it uh, already this morning uh, just confirms, right, that this is uh, absolutely positively what uh, the Holy Spirit would, would have for us, or at least a portion of it. So it's just he's confirming the word. He's, con- he's confirming the word. Okay. So now with, with a little bit of understanding, and obviously you got more uh, this morning as well, um, of sanctification, uh, let's go back to the verse. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. This is talking about what Jesus suffered for you and me. For both he who sets apart from unto, right? That would be God. Okay? And those who are being set apart from unto are all of one. Or all of one. You ever heard the expression, no big eyes, little yous, you know? Us and them, we and they. God, God doesn't use that. God doesn't use those terms. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, for which reason, because of this, that we're all of one, he's doing the work we need to work. And that, and that uh, scenario, you tend to think of, okay, the person doing the work, is, you know, holds themselves in a position above and is more than. And listen to me now, please. Listen to me. God is God. He's the potter, we're the clay. My life's not my own to do with as I please. I've been bought with a, pl- a price. Fear of God doesn't just belong in the Old Testament, it belongs in the New Testament. Deep reverential awe and respect for God. Amen. Right? If you have one of these shirts, I'm not judging you, but I, I'm not a fan of Jesus as my homeboy. Okay, that t shirt. Okay, I'm not. That's. That's crossing a line right there, okay? All right? But he is my elder brother. He's my elder brother, but he's also the king of the universe. Amen. Are you with me now? All right. So one of the reasons why religion says uh, and tradition says we shouldn't teach these kinds of things because it's going to cause people to lose the proper respect for God. If, but again, I didn't make this up. As he is, so are we in this world. And so what happens... I got this down deeper in my notes. Let me just try to get this part out. Okay. 
when we talk about how much like how much like us Jesus became, that's that's a big one. We haven't quite got there yet. We're going to get there. But when we talk about how much like us he became, there are those who believe that if we preach and teach that Jesus became like us in every way, that somehow we're taking away from his deity. But Philippians 2 makes it clear that Jesus divested himself. If you invest in something, you go in. If you divest, you take out. He divested of himself everything that made him God. He emptied of himself everything that made him God and became a man. What Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man. Not as God with a little bit of skin coating on the outside of him. But now, but see, now watch, see, some people say, oh, that's, I, I can't believe you'd say that. But, but, but now watch this. What is a greater accomplishment? Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead as a man or Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead as God with a little bit of skin on him? What is a greater accomplishment? Jesus doing for us what he did for us on the whipping post. Jesus doing for us what he did for us on the cross. Jesus doing for us what he did for us in the grave. What is a greater accomplishment? Him doing that as a man for us or him doing that as God for us? See, we're not taking anything away from him by embracing what the Bible says about him becoming a man and living among us. To me, it's a greater accomplishment, and he deserves more glory and more respect and more praise and more awe for doing what he did as a man than just you know, slipping out of heaven as, as a God and barely getting his feet wet down here and, and what have you. Are you seeing this? Okay, all right. Now, the other side of that coin then is, okay, what glorifies him more for me and you to embrace what he says about what we are, about what he created us to be? Or for us to play the falsely humble card. Oh, not me, Pastor Mark. I could never. But see, what's really humbling, what's really humbling is when we recognize what he's done for us and we submit ourselves to it. When we recognize what he has said about us and the position that he created us to occupy in his eternity. And, and, and we submit ourselves to that. So. I've preached recently, some of the men were here for these sermons on, on Wednesday night. Notice now when it says that um, fitting for him for whom are all things uh, in bringing many sons of glory to the captain, for both he who sanctifies and those who sanctify all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. The word brethren here, I don't have a slide on this, I apologize, but the word brethren here is the word adelphos, A-D-E-L-P-H-O-S in, in the Greek, okay? And it, it's translated brethren because one of the meanings of adelphos is from the same womb. From the same womb. And we were born from the same womb as Jesus. You're going to give me a few weeks to explain this. But Jesus was the first man born again. He was the first born from the dead. And when we were born again, we were born from the dead. Amen. Amen. Are you following me? 
Jesus was once referred to as the only begotten Son of God, no longer. He is now the firstborn among many brethren. So we were born from the same womb as Jesus because He was the firstborn from the dead. We were born from the same seed as Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We are partakers of the same nature as Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 1. We Are you following me? We are members of the same eternal community as Jesus. All of these are what this word brethren means. It's Adelphos. And notice, Jesus is not reluctant. Jesus is not hesitant. Jesus is not ashamed or embarrassed. One moment, whether you're flying high, speaking in tongues, casting out devils, or, or wallowing in, in struggling with areas of your flesh, whether you're at that level of your growth and development and sanctification, or whether you're at a higher level, again, He who is doing the setting apart and those who are allowing Him to help them become set apart, He says, we're all of one. And I'm not ashamed to say that we came from the same place. We were born from the same seed. We're in the same eternal community. He's not embarrassed to do that. He's, he's the one who said, as I am, so are you in this world. We're the ones who are reluctant. We're the ones who are hesitant. We're the ones that are embarrassed. Oh, you're one of them tongue talkers? Well, I mean, you know, just sometimes I get excited. And, but just in my prayer closet, I mean, you know, don't expect me to do it right now. You know, so, yeah. are, you, are you following what I'm saying? We're the ones that hold back. We're the ones. It, are you following what I'm saying? Yes, sister. I'm sorry. Yes, sister. I didn't mean to holler that. I'm getting excited. Absolutely. Uh, it kind of unlocked a, a little missing screw that was in there. Because, because see, cause, like there's different kinds of fear. We'll get to this. Five different kinds of fear. One of the, one of the, he delivered me from all my fears, plural. Okay. So one of the fears, common demand, is the fear of failure. Okay. So if the, the idea is, okay, if I step out and do it God's way, then I'm afraid I will fail. I'm afraid this will not work out. I'm afraid that, you know, people know now that I'm, I'm living for God. And if I, if I mess up, then, you know, somehow I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to be embarrassed if I can't do it. So notice now that's this fear of failure. The more you know how much he loves you, the more you realize he's not going to let me fail. We don't have to have the perfect place. We already have that place. You know? And that's the thing that sometimes you forget. Like, you need to have these things, and, and it's perfect love happened. It's not that it's already happened, it's already full. We have it right now. Like, we don't have to clamor for it. It's already happened. Just like he, I understand healing, but now, like, that is like. Amen. 
No, sister, it's a, a, I'm hope it's, I hope it's stirring you up. So keep, I'll say it this way. There's nothing you can do, keyword do, nothing you can do right now to make him love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. He loves you with a perfect love, a complete love. Yes, Michael. I have a question. Yes, sir. Um, is in a present tense. Okay, no, there's nothing in any of the verses that re refers to a future event of, of judgment. Everything is like love has been perfected among us in this. That means that means it's already happened. It's either already happened or is happening now. It, and then it goes on and it says because as he is right now, so are we in this world right now. It would be confusing to read the verse as it looks to be entirely in present sense to inject that a day of judgment is a futuristic event. So I guess my question is, is the day of judgment happening in the present like the scripture seems to say? So so, and, and if we're like Christ, we are perfect and forgiven. So, yes and yes. Um, and when I say yes and yes, yes and yes, let, let me, I'm going to go completely off script, but I, I'm not avoiding the question. I'm going to try to show what I'm saying, right? There were people who were saying the Antichrist is already in the world, and they're like, no, 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 he, he ain't here yet. But the spirit of Antichrist is. Okay, all right. So, um, Jesus would talk about that which is and is to come, okay? Um, so if we, if we slide over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he says, you have overcome them, right? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he is in the world, all right? So he's talking about overcoming situations that we haven't dealt with yet. So present situations, but any, this is the victory, go on to 1 John Chapter 5, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Okay, So I like to say it this way, and obviously got stirred up there, and everybody kind of settled back down here for a second. All right. Um, if we can have boldness when we stand before God one day, there is not a single day between today and that day that we can't have boldness. Does that, does that help? Okay, so that's why I say yes and yes. It is talking about current things, current issues, current situations. But all of that, of course, leading up to and, and smaller versions of um, the, uh, the day where we stand before God. Now, keep in mind, again, not here to teach on these things tonight. A lot of confusion in the body of Christ about this. But um, born-again people, we, we don't stand at the same judgment seat the world stands at. As a born-again man or woman, our sin has already been judged. The sentence has already been handed down and carried out for your sin. Okay? So if you've been born again, um, you stand before God as one who's never sinned. And you'll be judged by God as one who's never sinned. Okay? Stay around because we're going to get to all this in the days ahead. All right? Um, but when we stand before uh, Jesus to be judged, okay, we will be judged based upon what we did with what we were given 
and will then be rewarded. Okay? All right? Um, so, again, if, if you understand that, that it's not about standing before God and, you know, man, is he going to go all the way back to when I was six years old and I kicked my cat? You know, I mean, what, how, how thorough is this going to be? You know, I mean, how, how, you know, how about this one? How long is this going to take? You know, um, if I got an answer for every rotten, sorry thing I did in life. Okay. So part of the, part of the boldness of, of being judged is that we're already one with Jesus. You know, I mean, as he is, so are we in this world. Um, And so, again, um, remember, your right standing is not based upon what you do. Um, That's a gift you've been given. Your rewards, though, your rewards are based upon um, what you do with what you have been given. And Jesus explained this to us um, in, uh, in, in obviously, parables and then straight out. Okay, so. Amen. Great comments. I apologize in advance for those watching online because a lot of times they, they can't hear uh, the dialogue uh, in, in the room. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully my answers to some of the comments and questions were enough to help you guys uh, plug into all that. So, all right. So, so he, Jesus isn't ashamed, right? Uh, it, it's, it's we're the ones who are sometimes reluctant to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been perfected forever by the blood of Jesus, and I have unbroken fellowship with God. We're the, we're the ones that, that uh, if we're not careful. All right, let's keep going here. John chapter 17, verse 11. Now, I am no longer in the world, Jesus speaking, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So this is back to where we began it's not good for man to be alone. God created us for the horizontal fellowship with other people and that vertical fellowship with himself. And we see that Jesus and the Father are one. We've been made one with Jesus. And because we're one with Jesus and Jesus is one with the Father, we're one with the Father. Because Jesus is in us and we're in Jesus. And the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. We're in the Father. Again, all these verses, we could look at all this. We'll get to some of them in in future classes. Um, So now he's saying that, that that same oneness that we have with God will be developed as we're all growing up into Jesus and all things, as we're all uh, becoming more and more set apart. Let me, let me go back to, thank you, Holy Spirit. He keeps prompting me to do this. And so we just kind of almost have to do a hard stop, you know, and put on the brakes for a minute and, uh, and back up, okay, because I felt like somebody needed to hear this um, either in the room or, or uh, we all need to hear it, but sometimes there's like a certain person in their heart, okay. So when we were born again, our spirits were set apart from sin um, unto righteousness. And literally we became a new creation at that level of our being. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit sealed that uh, new creation so that all the good that's, that's in us can't be stolen and <laughs> can't get out, so to speak, and then the bad can't get in to contaminate it. Okay? But then we talk about the sanctification of our soul. Your soul is the part of you that thinks feels and chooses your mind emotions and will that's your soul right and how many of you would agree with me that we still need some work in those areas 
where we're being set apart from wrong thinking to right thinking. We're being set apart from um, lies and deception uh, to, to, to truth and, and, and the Word of God. And so that is a process. Uh, when you're born again, your spirit is instantly transformed and instantly made new. That's why it's spoken of in the Scriptures as a past completed work. Okay? Has been. Right? But then we get to our being. And that's not speaking of a past completed work. That's speaking of a present tense ongoing work. And that's the heart, if you will, of discipleship. Where we've been born again, now we're learning how to think like people who've been born again. We've been made one with God positionally, now we're learning how to uh, live together with God uh, in functional oneness. We've been made free from sin, no longer a slave to sin. We've now become slaves to righteousness. Sin doesn't own us anymore. Righteousness owns us, right? But now, because... You know, we fought like unrighteous people for a long time. We're learning how to think like a righteous uh, man or woman of God. You know, that's why the Bible says, consider yourself to be in unbroken fellowship with God. See, it's one thing to think, okay, maybe God likes me on good days. No, no, you are in unbroken fellowship with God. He who sets you apart and the ones being set apart are all of one. He's not ashamed to call you brethren. He's the originator, captain of our salvation. Um, and so, praise God. So that, that's what this looks like. And so then there's coming a day when your body will be set apart from this world. Um, if, if someone, uh, you know, on earth that's a believer passes, well, I'm a believer, that matter. But let's just stay with the believer part. Somebody's a believer. Their spirit and soul are going to separate from their body, and they're going to be absent from their body and present with the Lord. And then this body is going to return back to the dirt from which it came, the Bible says. But there's coming a day. Because this body is precious. God created this body. And there's coming a day when he's going to call bodies out of the ocean. He's going to call bodies out of the earth. And, and I mean, again, the graves are going to burst open. This is what the Bible talks about, okay? Dead in Christ will rise first. And then the, 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 the earth suit, the body that was from the earth and a part of the earth and had to remain on the earth and, and went back into the earth, right, um, should... You know, all these things linger. Um, that's going to be set apart from the earth. And mortal will become immortal. And that, at that point, this body will become a glorified body. And that's when the Bible says your salvation will be complete. Okay? That's when your salvation will be complete. And aren't you glad that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? All right. So I don't know who that was for, but that's, that's what we mean by sanctification uh, at least a brief explanation of that in three tenses. Thank you, Jesus. Where does the time go? Praise God. All right. So let's keep going here. John 17. If you have time tonight, and I meant to say this earlier too, um, and Sister Patience was talking about, she had one of these from before and taped it to her mirror. Um, I don't know if, if you know your situation works right now, if you, but I'm being silly when I say this, but not really. Okay, I, I like double dog dare you. To, to confess this out loud once a day, uh, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Um, and another exercise, and it may be hard, you know, given the resources that some of you have access to right now, is every one of these is, is a Bible verse. Um, and so, you know, another cool thing would be like to find all the Bible verses that coincide with what's uh, on that document there. So, amen. All right, uh, let's go. John 17. So another, so I said all that to say, 
uh, don't do it now, but sometime before you go to bed tonight, uh, read the 17th chapter of John a couple of times and find yourself in there. Because in John 17, Jesus prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for you and me. He prays for all of those who will believe on him because the disciples are going to go preach the gospel, and that's you and me. All right. So he says in John uh, 17, verse uh, 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that I, I'm sorry, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, I don't, I don't know if, if you picked up on that, but I want to point out something to me that is nothing short of miraculous and amazing is that God spoke of himself and you and me in the same sentence, and he used the word us. So go all the way back to Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. Now you and I are a part of the us. Is that, am I the only one? That's, that's again, the uh, comparability, the compatibility, all right? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. All right, where are we? I lost my place. Uh, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you know that Jesus obviously is loved by the Father, um, and I'm sure you believe that, but did you know that Father God loves you with the same love that He loves Jesus with? Are you, are you seeing this? Let's go back to the Yorkie. Did I love my little Yorkie? Yes. Yes. And I don't use that word love. Um, I, Brother Keith Moore taught me years ago that we shouldn't use the word love in a, in a casual way. We shouldn't say, I love pizza. You can say, I like pizza. Now you say, Pastor Mark, are you really? No, see, what, see, the enemy's the one who's always wanting to, words mean something. And if we're not careful, they, they will devolve into being meaningless if we're not careful, right? So if we love everything, I love cake, I love this, I love that other thing. You know, um, so again, I don't, I, when I say I love, love that dog, and that dog loved me. I'm just telling you. Same God created him, created me. Um, but I didn't love that dog the same as I love my son or my daughter. Are you, are you seeing the difference here? Okay. I think sometimes we think God sees us as pets. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like a hobby. <laughs> like he's just been around so long, he had nothing else better to do. And so it's just, let's, make, let's try a human experiment and see what happens. No, that's, please, no. No, that's not what this is about, right? He loves you the same love that he loves Jesus with, okay? Now, I've asked you this question before, which came first, man or the purpose for man? And, of course, the answer is our purpose came first. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So you were given a purpose before time began, and then God created you in light of that purpose. Father did not create us and then try to find a purpose for us, he started with a purpose for us and then created us in light of that purpose. How silly would it have been for Father to create us in such a way that made fulfilling His purpose for us impossible? Are you following me now? So you were given a purpose 
before time began and then created in light of that purpose. What you are and who you are serve to support and make possible why you are. Your number one purpose and highest calling in life is fellowship with God. All other purposes are not only secondary to this purpose, they are dependent upon it. Now let me give you two verses for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. I'm feeling the squeeze here. It's 638. And I'm, amen. There's just some things I was hoping we could get to tonight. But let me take a breath and you find that verse. 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You, you were created by God and then redeemed by God and recreated by God and placed in Christ Jesus so that, you, so that you could enjoy the same fellowship with God the Father that Jesus enjoys. Think about that for a minute. Again, He had a purpose for you in mind and then created you in light of that purpose. If his purpose was to call you into the same fellowship with himself as Jesus, how silly would it have been to create you like a fish? Or to create you like uh, you know, a dog or an animal or a pet or, or whatever? No, see, again, this is, this, you know, we've gone through all of this tonight. and I'm, Again, I'm glad we got, at least got this far. Because we've gone through all these verses and we talked about all these things. And we talked about some pretty heavy things and some pretty deep things. But the answer is, okay, if, if this is true and it is, it has to be true because it's God's Word. Then what's God thinking? What is He up to? He's up to fulfilling a purpose. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, hurry. God's purpose is our is for us to be in fellowship with Him. Yes. Would you say a better word than purpose is plan? Well, I mean, yeah. There's a obviously there was a plan. There was a plan to carry it out, but there's a plan to fulfill the purpose. Let's say that. Let's say that I purpose. Um, I, I haven't really said this to many people, but you know, I, I, I would like to build some pickleball courts back here on the in the back part of the parking lot. Okay, so obviously, you know, okay, I'd like to see that you know carried out. All right, so then we need a plan for that, right? So the, the plan is in light of the purpose. So there was a plan in place to redeem us before God created us. In other words, if if if, if the purpose of our being in unbroken fellowship with God, perfected forever in unbroken fellowship with God, okay? If, if, that, is, if that is God's purpose, then there's got to be a long-range plan to carry that out. That's why we see Jesus had already agreed to die for you and me before God created Adam, okay? So the plan, right? But of course, this plan was kept a secret, uh, you know, for, for many generations, uh, obviously. Um, so praise God. Let's... Uh, all right, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now keep in mind, this is the Apostle John. This man hugged Jesus. This man kissed Jesus. This man recognized who he was and he reclined on Jesus the Last Supper. What does that mean? Jesus sitting here and he's like leaning back on him. Okay? We've looked upon him and our hands have handled him concerning the word of life. 
the, the life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. Notice he didn't say, I declare this to you so you won't go to hell when you die. Obviously God doesn't want you to go to hell because if you're in hell, you're not having e eternal unbroken fellowship with Him. But the plan is not just a plan to keep you out of hell. The plan is to fulfill the purpose of you and me having fellowship. And notice John says that you may have fellowship with us. There's that word again, us. Because John obviously was one of the first men to know Jesus in the flesh, but then he was also among the first to be born again and to become one with God, established in that same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus. But now John says, I've labored all these years, I've preached all these sermons, I've traveled all these miles, I've written all these letters, right? Why? He says, because what it boils down to is I've told you what I've seen, I've shared with you what I've, what I've been told, because I want you to hear it, believe it, receive it, so that you can have fellowship with us also. And the us here is not just Him, it's, it's Him, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Fullness of joy, Old Testament says, fullness of joy in the presence of God. But where the, where the real joy comes in is in that functional oneness with God. So your purpose coincides with your why, but it is supported by and dependent upon your who and your what. If God created you any less than in His own image and likeness, His purpose for fellowship, communion, and oneness would not be possible. Now let's make this clear, okay? I didn't decide this for myself. That's the one thing I think that, that we have to get pride and arrogance out of the way. All right? Um, it, it wasn't like that I told God, you either create me to be one with you or don't create me at all. Are you, are you what I'm saying? It wasn't like I got a whole bunch of human beings together and we all got signs that said oneness or else. <laughs> Fellowship. With, we want the same access to you as Jesus. We want the same inheritance from you as Jesus. We want the same love from you as Jesus. We want the same glory from you as Jesus. And if you're not going to give it to us, then don't even bother creating us. No, see, I, I didn't... I didn't ask for this. I, I didn't demand this. It wasn't like I made a, a list of requirements to be created. And if God didn't create me according to those requirements. No, see again, th that's not how any of this works. The Bible says that Father God does all things or God does all things according to the counsel of his own will. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they've never had a crossword, they've never had a disagreement, they've always lived in perfect harmony, perfect oneness, perfect fellowship, perfect agreement, and they came up with this plan to create you and me, not as pets, not as something else to rule over. My friend, God does rule over us, but more than creating you to rule over you, He created you to rule through you. Amen? And He created you to share in His love. He created you to come be a part of His eternal community and to be one with Him just like Jesus is and just like the Holy Spirit is. All right, praise God. Amen. Boy, there's a lot of stuff here. Let me say this. You were created by God to have close, intimate fellowship and union with Him. You were created by God to be loved by Him and to love Him in return. You were created to have conversations with Him. You were created to give your life to Him and receive His life from Him in you. And you were created by God to be one with Him. 
Amen. All of these, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I thought we were talking about what we are. Yes, but again, when you understand your purpose is fellowship, you understand your purpose is to love and be loved, you understanding, understand these purposes, then it, it starts to put your, what you are, a God-class being, in context. Okay. Again, not so you can walk into family reunion and announce to everybody that you're a God. Okay. But it's to understand God's perspective on your existence. Amen. Amen. And, what he, and why He created you the way that He did. Okay. Amen. You get anything out of this tonight? All right. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for these beautiful, awesome men and women. Thank you, Father, for, for who they are and who you created them to be and the purposes and potential and, and, and glory, Father, that you placed within them. And I thank you, Father, that, that we um, are acknowledging every good thing that's in us. And, Father, uh, the, these, these new birth realities are things that we are experiencing and enjoying in our life reality more and more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here tonight. Much love and good things coming to you and yours. I didn't apologize to the folks online. I didn't mean to leave the, the, the camera off and the overlay on. Amen. We will see you next week for Class 23. Praise God.